someone the NSA once listed as the most dangerous hacker in America, sure don't look like much. He travels the world and scans the web to keep you up to date on the latest threats to the internet and to your cybersecurity. He brings you the latest on the fight against cyber terrorism, keeping you safe with the best cybersecurity information on the radio. It's Cybersecurity Today with John Bambanek. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Cybersecurity Today Radio. I am your host, John Bamlinek, covering all the cybersecurity news you need to be aware of and how to protect yourself and your family online and keep your security and privacy safe. Uh, broadcasting from AM820 News covering Tampa Bay and the West Coast, as well as AM1060 News covering the Space Coast and Orlando, as well as on Podbean uh, via our podcasting service. You'll be able to find us on all of your smartphone applications and podcasting software. Our website, if you want to connect with us, CybersecurityTodayRadio.com, on Facebook and Twitter, at CybersecRadio, my personal Twitter account, at Bambanek, B-A-M-B-E-N-E-K, or at email, JohnBambanekRadio at gmail.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-M-B-E-N-E-K, radio at gmail.com, where we'll take your questions about what you want to know, how to protect yourself and your family on cybersecurity and what you're seeing out there in the wild. So let's go ahead and uh, start covering the news. That's what's trending out there in the past week. This last week, the Department of Homeland Security uh, is testifying uh, in, in Congress again on the ongoing investigation of uh, the alleged Russian uh, election manipulation that was going on, uh, where Jay Johnson, uh, the former Secretary of Department of Homeland Security, uh, testified that 21 uh, testified that 21 states might have been targeted by Russian hackers uh, in the lead up to the election. Uh, you know, again, laying the f- uh, finger of blame on Russia uh, and saying that uh, they really are interested in undermining our democracy. They did confirm a small number of those uh, were unsuccessful, uh, basically just attempts to see if they can get in, you know, but there were some uh, some breaches, some attributed to Russian intelligence and not. I know we've talked about it on the show. The Illinois State Board of Elections had an online voter registration uh, system that uh, was breached uh, with, via a web vulnerability, possibly compromising uh, some information about voters. So certainly there's some concerns there. Uh, the Russian government, uh, and and quite frankly now, uh, governments around the world and even non-government actors have realized, right, they can get a lot of mileage and get a lot of press coverage for whatever they want out of attempting to influence elections, out of attempting to hack political parties uh, and the like. And the imagination has been captured, right? Uh, you know, even if you don't believe Russia was behind it, certainly, uh, you know, Russia is certainly interested in it now, uh, for sure. But these means that were used uh, were within the range, uh, within the reach of Iran, North Korea, Syria. Uh, pick whatever particular government you like. They weren't using things that really require huge infrastructures or huge Department of Defense or billions of dollars of spending. Uh, It just requires, uh, you know, a handful of people that are really well-trained, write their own tools, and have the time and freedom to work and develop their craft. So certainly, uh, you know, that's that's within the range of a lot of people. That that brings us into a couple of other interesting stories out there that I think are worth talking about. 
the first is, uh, you know, many of you know, there's a lot of effort to get uh, girls and young women into science, technology fields called STEM. Uh, and the Girl Scouts are kind of getting into that, adding cybersecurity uh, as a list of Girl Scout badges, right, that they can earn. There's a lot of achievements going through various things. They've added cybersecurity into it. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, one of the uh, unfortunate things of the Internet is uh, young women and young girls are very much targets online, right? There's a lot of cyberbullying. It's not that it's not directed at boys, too, uh, but a lot of the more uh, sexual extortion, you know, trying to get webcams to uh, get uh, intimate pictures, uh, those kind of things, uh, you know, sexual harassment happens online, uh, really are things that are predominantly directed at girls uh, that they need to be aware of. And certainly they need some information uh, to protect themselves. So another cybersecurity company, Palo Alto Networks, is is helping put this on so that uh, girls young as five uh, all the way up can qualify for this for this badge, uh, this achievement within the Girl Scouts. So I think it's a really great thing, right, uh, and really to enhance the security, right, of our country and all of these things. It all comes down to individual people at the keyboard. So certainly preventing themselves from being individual victims uh, of more personal threats, uh, of cyberbullying and the like, certainly very important important, but having them be aware of, uh, of other things, way people trick you and deceive you online to get you to install malware or give up your personal information. And the more that people know this, we get this into uh, the education system early on. Uh, it filters up. We talk a lot about how we can secure our country, uh, but even unsophisticated, uh, you know, what are generally viewed as unsophisticated jobs really need people who are just aware of what can happen and take the time to say, hey, you know what? That doesn't look right. That looks like a scam so that they will protect their identities. They will protect the information uh, of whatever company they happen to work for one day. And hopefully many of them will get into cybersecurity themselves to help protect us and to protect our nation. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with John Bambanek. Kind of on that same note, right, of getting more people into the industry. Um, more research out there uh, has come out saying that uh, the cybercrime industry is growing rapidly, right? These are the bad guys, the people who are committing crime online. Uh, it's a huge growth industry. A lot of money is being stolen. Uh, and, you know, in essence, they operate like businesses. They have a business model. They have research and development. They have marketplaces and the like. And these things have exploded in growth over time because crime, in essence, does pay. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about more in detail about this uh, on other shows. But, you know, as long as you're careful about where you're committing crimes or who your victims are in comparison to where you are, generally you can operate over long periods of time uh, as a criminal. And the result is that more people are getting into it and more people are committing crime online. And the reality is, is that uh, our industry, my industry, the cybersecurity industry, is having a real problem keeping up. And I know I've mentioned this before, right? There are more jobs and there are people that can fill them. There's more work than I could ever do in my lifetime. There is more work that I could ever train enough people uh, to do in my lifetime. So a very huge uh, growth field, uh, and there's a lot of things we can do, right? Certainly uh, teaching people, uh, you know, in K-12 programs and Girl Scouts, and the Boy Scouts do have a similar achievement, by the way, uh, of how to be secure so that there's less incidents for us to respond to, uh, but certainly having a lot more capable people 
You know, so, you know, if you have uh, young people listening, uh, thinking about where they want to go in careers or their parents of what they can do, uh, I know uh, it, it's not security related so so much. But, you know, there's a lot of talk of how artificial intelligence and robots will take all the way all the way the jobs. You know, this is one industry that's going to be around for a long time. Just human nature is that there's always going to be crime. Uh, you know, people like focusing on, hey, why is nobody solving cybersecurity? Well, nobody solved murder or theft or any other conventional crime either. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why cybersecurity is growing uh, as a genre of crime beyond more physical crimes. You know, but there's always going to be criminals. There's always going to be malfeasance. There's always going to be intelligence agencies and foreign agencies uh, trying to hack into organizations to steal secrets or manipulate other countries uh, and so forth. Right. So this is a very lucrative field to be in, very high paying and certainly uh, something for people with aptitude in mathematics and computer science who can think outside the box. Uh, there's a lot of programs starting at the high school level, but even community colleges and universities that will ensure really, you know, if if you have a base amount of skills, you can be taught. You'll have a good uh, career going forward uh, and a long, uh, prosperous life. So for certainly people who have that aptitude, certainly check that out. Look for community colleges and universities around you that offer good cybersecurity programs. We're going to take a brief break right here and coming up next. Uh, we'll have more security news, more information you can use to protect yourself, your family, your security, and your privacy. So stay tuned for more. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek, and we will be right back. This is Cybersecurity Today with John Bambanek. This is Cybersecurity Today with John Bambanek. And welcome back. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Joining us now is Ryan Johnston of CyberScoop, CyberScoop.com, our digital partner. Some interesting news in the last week uh, that's certainly shaken the political world, who you'd think uh, would have gotten a little uh, savvier about cybersecurity considering the last election <laughs> cycle. Apparently not. But about $200 million Voter records uh, and profiles of individual voters were published online without any security whatsoever, uh, and uh, it was by a vendor of the RNC. So joining us is Ryan Johnston to talk about this story. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Ryan. Happy. Pleasure. So uh, let's talk about it. Exactly, you know, what happened here? What, uh, what got lost, and uh, how, did it, how did it get lost? So DeepRoot Analytics which is just a contractor for the Republican National Convention, had this database that was hosted on an AWS uh, server. That server is normally password protected. Um, so norm in, normally that would be fine. But in update, as, or as the UpGuard journalist uh, Chris Vickery um, wrote about, an update on June 1st removed the password protections for over a terabyte of data that was in that deep root analytics database. Yeah. So that data, that was the that was the voter records and the voter profile. So that data sat unprotected for twelve days, around twelve days, until Vickery notified authorities on June fourteenth. 
Okay. So, so what kind of data was in here, right? We say voter data, but, but I mean, let's kind of talk in detail. You know, if I looked yeah. up my record in this, what would it tell you about me? It would tell, I would be able to figure out your address, your name, and essentially all of you, I would be able to figure out a model of your political, your political leanings towards virtually every issue that was pertinent in the 2016 election. And this, the data was also compiled for the 20, 2008 and 2012 elections. There's actually fewer da- or less data on the 2016 election than there were than there was on the 2008 and 2012. But virtually every issue that that was important and was newsworthy, I would be able to figure out what your opinion on it was. And that's not even mentioning your address, your date of birth, your probable religion, your probable ethnicity, um, Mm -hmm. your name. Yeah. No, a whole lot of data there. Uh, you know, oh, wow. and, and, you know, I've, I, I guess your article actually put the value on it. You know, I've been telling people this is worth millions of dollars, this data. Uh, and you say what they were paid is 4.2 million. So you'd hope the data is worth more than they paid for it. Uh, and kind of oh, has yeah. an expiration date because it ages out, but millions of dollars of stuff that anybody can just download for free. It's priceless in the wrong hands. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about in the wrong hands. Right. Uh, You know, a fair bit of voter data is public record. I don't think a lot of people realize that, uh, at least in most states. Mm -hmm. I know in Illinois, uh, it's either 50 or 250 dollars. You can pay the Illinois State Board of Elections and they'll mail you a CD of name, address, date of birth and the voting history. Not not who you voted for, but the voting history of every vote registered voter in Illinois. Uh, In Illinois has partisan primaries. So it'll say, oh, you voted in a Republican primary or Democratic primary. So you can divine right party affiliation, right? That's available for yeah. free, but there's a lot more in, in this file. So, um, you know, what could I do with it? Right. You know, pretend, uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm Vladimir Putin. You know, you've got this data. Tell me what you're going to do for Mother Russia with this data. Well, this data is what it is. It's, it, it enables micro targeting. So if I know the political leanings, it's not just Illinois. But every commu- every town in Illinois, every household in Illinois, you can target in the RNC and and the DNC can target specific messages to mi- these mi- it's called micro targeting to these small 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 communities, and that's really I mean that's really how um, U.S. Pol- pol- politicians excuse me would use the data. But if you're Vladimir Putin. There's there's no limit to what you can do with with the address and the name of virtually every single sixty percent of the sixty percent of the country every single registered voter. So no, no, that, that, thankfully, thankfully the files didn't they they didn't contain like social security numbers or any banking information. So nothing that would harm these registered voters in the immediate. But right. So definitely very scary stuff for you. Those of you tuning in, you're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with John Bamanek. And with us is Ray Johnston of Cyberscoop.com talking about 200 million uh, voting records and voter profiles exposed on the Internet. So, you know, what you're telling me, right, uh, the ability to micro-target. So uh, what you're saying is if I were Russia, I could target, say, disaffected, uh, white, middle-aged, blue-collar workers in Wisconsin, 
you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, and, yep. and make the margin of difference in the electoral college. Oh, for sure. And you, it, you can get as, you can get as exact as you want. You can target it by issue. So you could say every qualification that you just listed off, but then immigrate, but then direct whatever message you want to mm-hmm. send towards immigration or healthcare or whatever issue you think needs amending, I should say, you can target whatever message you want towards these specific voters. And that's just, that's frightening from, huh. from a foreign perspective. Right. Well, and, and, and to be honest, a lot of political communication is happening electronic or can cross national boundaries fairly easy, right? Email is the obvious one, right? You could set up, uh, yes. you know, something that says, oh, I'm American Crossroads or whatever, just, you know, sending whatever message you want or send robocalls. A lot of, uh, you know, political robocalls are very cheap, but you could set up this mm-hmm. infrastructure anywhere in the world. It's voice over Internet. Uh, mm-hmm. and start sending robocalls to targeted voters and really have that fine-grained influence operation, which we didn't see in 2016, right? It was very broad, let's, you know, play stories uh, in the media or here's a bunch of emails and WikiLeaks, hear media go fish, and, and you see it on CNN. This this could be very direct, personal, one-on-one communication. Absolutely. And the perhaps the scariest part of it, and we've sort of gone over this, but Authorities have no, there's no way to know, or at least mm-hmm. at the current time, who downloaded this information when it was publicly available for 12 days, which might as well be an eternity. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, by by anonymous scanning of the Internet, right? It's, it's, it's public, right? Anybody can download it. Yep. It's not hacking. Yeah, it's not even have... criminal to access. The Democratic Party could have downloaded this. Exactly. Well, the Democrat, well, it's interesting. This, so Deep Root and Data Trust and Target Point. This was all compiled because of Obama's success, because of Obama's data team success in 2008. So the Republican National Convention saw what the Democrats did in 2008 and said, we want to replicate that. And that's sort of where this compilation of data, this massive, massive compilation came from. Is It was inspired by um, Democratic Party's efforts. So. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. So really great story. If you want to see more about this, check out cyberscoop.com. Thank you for joining us today, Ryan. Thank you. All right, take, yep. We'll take a brief break here. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Scan your computer, but don't scan the dial. Stay right here. John Bambanek will be right back. Got a question on cybersecurity? I got a question! Ask Bambanek. Really? You sure about that? Welcome back. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. So coming up on our social media segment, we haven't done it in a couple weeks, wanted to get to that and some of your great questions out there. If you want to ask your questions, what you want to know, uh, visit our website, cybersecuritytodayradio.com. 
on Facebook or Twitter at CyberSec Radio or email John Bambanek Radio at gmail.com, J O H N B A M B E N E K Radio at gmail.com. So let's get right into it. Uh, Phil asked, I heard again about a WannaCry attack that shut down uh, a Honda plant overseas. Uh, I thought some of the vulnerabilities were resolved. Why is this still an issue? So it's a great question. Uh, WannaCry was a big ransomware malware that struck uh, a month and a half ago using a former NSA exploit and helped uh, or largely shut down the National Health Service in the United Kingdom. So it was a very big attack. But it's important to distinguish between two things, right? You know, we think of, of viruses as kind of all encompass, all encompassing. But really, there's a vulnerability, right? Some way to get code executed on a computer, right? Now, that could just be simply tricking you to install the malware yourself. Or it could be something that exploits your browser. You go to a malicious web page that installs something on your computer, or you click on uh, you know, a document file or a PDF that you get an email and it exploits uh, a vulnerability uh, in those software. That vulnerability allows somebody to execute code, and that code will then install the malware. So the NSA tool was the vulnerability uh, piece of that, right? It allowed uh, attackers to remotely reach out to a machine that was running vulnerable software and then start executing code. What they were executing, in essence, was WannaCry. Uh, so what happened in Honda, uh, I assume, uh, wasn't had nothing to do uh, with those NSA exploits, but the malware is distinct from that. So somebody got an email, somebody visited a web page, uh, you know, maybe somebody malicious on the plant floor uh, clicked on it and installed it. So uh, and then had a drastic impact that actually shut down the plant for about a day. So real monetary loss uh, for Honda in that plant due to this. Uh, but WannaCry, the malware is still out there uh, like most ransomware. I'm sure if you check into your email folders right now, you're going to see ransomware also that'll be trying to infect your computer uh, and people trying to get uh, basically get money out of you. The important thing this this highlights is something I started with the first segment, right, with the Girl Scouts and cybersecurity training and getting more security awareness into the educational system, right, is that even even jobs on a factory floor building cars, uh, you would think, okay, you know, you need no welding or automotive tech, any, any number of things, but you don't think of high cybersecurity. But the reality is, is there's computers all over a factory floor. Maybe somebody got an email, they clicked on something or uh, went to a malicious website or whatever. They were tricked to compromise the security of that computer and, by, the ex by extension, compromising the security of the entire plant. Uh, and that's how attackers work, right? They realize that some of these targets, that people aren't really thinking cybersecurity uh, because, uh, you know, it's, it's manufacturing or, uh, you know, it might be retail, you know, McDonald's, Hardee's, whatever. But attackers know this. They know there's valuable information. They know there's a way to make money and steal money, and they exploit that, which is why really – Everybody needs some level of security awareness, right? The old expression, you're not paranoid if they're all out to get you. 
well, they're all out to get you and they're all out to get everybody. So we all need to be a little bit better, which is why it's great. The Girl Scouts are doing what they're doing. The Boy Scouts have something similar. Why there's programs out there called Stop, Think, Connect uh, at StopThinkConnect.org uh, uh, where people can learn more about cybersecurity, but really accessible to consumers whose expertise lies elsewhere. So it's very important to do that. Uh, learn this stuff. Uh, take, a, take a look at it yourself to see what criminals are doing to trick you to compromising yourself because that's most of what it comes down to is criminals tricking you to compromising yourself. If you're just turning in, you're listening to Cybersecurity Today with John Bambanek. Sam asked our next question, with so many options, how do I know which antivirus program is the best for me? Does more expensive always mean better? Well, let's start with the second part of that question. Does more expensive always mean better? No, of course it doesn't. Uh, but when it comes to antivirus for consumers, Anyway, right? Uh, you can look at AV Comparables uh, as a website, right? You can Google it, uh, but basically does an antivirus comparison. Uh, Kaspersky and Bitdefender are, are two companies I use a lot. Uh, there, there's a handful of others. Uh, make sure you use something, right? The best antivirus is the one you use. Often now when computers are sold, uh, they include an antivirus subscription for six months. Make sure you keep that subscription up to date, right? You know, whether one protects you against 98% or 99%, it's always better than 0%, but it really, it's really important that you do that subscription to make sure that uh, you're getting the latest updates because criminals are adapting their malware and tools all the time. Those updates is what allows the company to send you information. So uh, I would say, you know, whatever you get a good deal when you buy a laptop or whatever, you know, if you have nothing on your computer now, uh, take a look at Kaspersky or Bitdefender. But certainly AV Comparables, you can take a look at that website and, and get kind of a mathematical comparison of those if you want something uh, really in-depth uh, to compare the two. Uh, Alicia asked, with so many cars being connected to the Internet, how susceptible are they to being hacked? Can hackers take control of my accelerator, brakes, and steering? Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, it's actually a fairly complicated question because uh, cars are all individual, right? They have all their own components. Those components may or may not have their own vulnerabilities. So you can't really make any global statements that all these cars will be vulnerable to the same thing because they use different computing pieces of it. But in essence, right, there's several computing pieces in cars now, especially with the these uh, smart uh, uh, smart services, you know, they connect your Bluetooth uh, cell phone to your dashboard. Many cars actually have cellular connectivity themselves. Uh, there's certainly a case for... Um, there's an incident where involving research done by Charlie Miller, uh, somebody I know uh, of a Jeep, uh, Grand Cherokee, I believe. If you look up uh, Charlie Miller car hacking, you'll see uh, some reporting by uh, Wired Magazine of how they literally were able to take control of the accelerator, the brakes, the steering. The reporter was driving uh, down the highway, and they basically turned off the engine. Uh, they were able to control windshield wipers all over the cellular network. Uh, car manufacturers are certainly taking this this seriously and taking a look at it, um, but certainly uh, there is sub there is some susceptibility there. And I think the important thing to realize is you know car manufacturers have been building cars for a good long time. 
what they haven't been doing is building operating systems and computers. They're kind of bolting these things on because people want a mobile hotspot in their car or they want to be able to get Pandora or some of these features. Uh, and this is true of technology generally, right? What's driving development is people wanting these neat, cool features, and there's not a lot of people out there saying, oh, that's an interesting feature. How can I kill somebody with this? So it's definitely very important uh, to keep in mind. Uh, good advice when you buy a car, uh, uh, any car really, but a modern one, make sure you're part of the recall program. You know, Register in there so they say, hey, if you buy uh, you know, X car, the manufacturer will let you know, oh, I've got to replace the airbag because of a defect. Uh, and if if there's an issue with security, they let you know. Most of these vehicles have some ability to update. Always apply those updates on top of people being aware of, of security threats, right? It's patching and updating. Almost all security incidents revolve around not having the most up-to-date software. So always apply those updates. Always get those installed. Figure out how to do it and just make sure you're checking, you know, once a week or once a month uh, to do that. Ideally, it would be automatic, uh, but make sure if, if your vehicle gets those updates and can be updated to apply them. So very important information there. Uh, kind of brings us to the end of our social media segment. Get in touch if you have questions you want answered on the air. Uh, always willing, uh, always interested in hearing what you have to say. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with John Bamanek. We will be right back after these messages. This is Cybersecurity Today with John Bambanek. Bambanek's back with the latest on cybersecurity. And welcome back. You've tuned in to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Uh, thought it would be good to talk about uh, the offensive side of things uh, a little bit more, right? Uh, there's a group of people who basically hack into things. They're good guys, but they find security vulnerabilities in devices so that manufacturers can fix it. People can find ways to protect themselves and thought it'd be good to hear uh, from the perspective of somebody who does that, especially talking about all these consumer devices that I know we've brought up on the show many times that uh, refrigerators, toasters, whatever, uh, that we all think of as, you know, a refrigerator, something you keep your milk cold in. Uh, but actually has an com embedded computer and introduces a lot of vulnerabilities that you need to be aware of. So I wanted to ask Jay Beal, uh, Chief Technology Officer of uh, Penetration Testing Firm in Guardians, to join us today. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jay. Thank you very much for having me, John. I've really enjoyed talking with you in the past. Yeah, no, I think it, uh, it's, it's, it's been great. So uh, Jay and I actually did a, a webinar recently on Internet of Things uh, on some of the vulnerabilities. So let's kind of uh, jump right into it, you know, kind of very briefly. You know, what, what exactly is the Internet of Things? The acronym's thrown out a bit, but for uh, consumers and normal users that are hearing this, you, what does that actually mean? Well, so it basically means that we take all kinds of devices that never would have been connected to the Internet in the past, and, uh, and we start connecting them and seeing what you, can, uh, what you can do with it. Or they're on radio, and, um, and eventually they're, they're kind of indirectly connected. For, for me, most recently, honestly, this has been replacing the light bulbs in my home. Uh, with you know these high efficiency LED light bulbs and and walking around with my phone and configuring the light bulbs to 
turn themselves, uh, turn you know, the outside lights to turn themselves on at, uh, as soon as it gets dark and turn themselves off when it gets light and, uh, and then hopefully never have to think about it again. At least that's, that's what I would think. But, but that means that each of my light bulbs, every single one of my light bulbs has a small computer. Think of something that might have been in your cell phone a few years ago, um, just in, that, in the base of that light bulb. And they're doing it with everything. They're doing it, you know, uh, the Internet of Things is, you know, it's uh, it's light bulbs, it's toys, it's potentially your car, as we're starting to see. Um, it is, uh, so we've got all kinds of your thermostat, your video camera, uh, the, your, you know, the Internet-connected video cameras. Um, your Christmas lights are starting <laughs> to become... Uh, and and I don't even know why that why my Christmas lights have to be on the internet, but apparently they are. Um, and and it even gets into you know it even gets into door locks and uh, and anything you can think of. Wow. Home uh, home security systems, right? I, I think the commercial that I hear, right? You know, oh somebody's breaking into my house, I get a push notification to my phone. I can unlock the door for my kids, you know, who uh, who forget their keys, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Which is great, but I'm a security guy, and I'm always thinking about attack. And so for me, that means if I can unlock the doors, to, the door to my home with a uh, with a phone, uh, that means if I get a if I'm you know using the Android, if I'm using the uh, Google Play Store, and I get an app that's off that store that's got malware in it, it might just be unlocking the doors to my homes, or shutting off my alarms, mm-hmm. or uh, turning off my lights. Well, it kind of brings us to the segue, right? You know, so what's what's the concern with all this, right? It seems convenient. Hey, I can, uh, you know, my lights turn off when I'm not at home. It's day. They turn on at night when when I'm awake. You know, all these conveniences. But but what's what's the risk? What do, what do consumers need to be afraid of? That's a really good question. So so there's there's kind of all kinds of risks. Some people. One of the things that uh, that you and I were talking about on a webinar recently was. Uh, a uh, a botnet, um, which is mm-hmm. where a bunch of these devices all get hacked, and in this case, I think the number was maybe uh, three hundred thousand um, of the uh, three hundred thousand internet connected uh, video cameras and DVRs, um, digital video recorders, all got all got hacked, and then they got used to start attacking other things out on the internet. Uh, the crazy thing is, you might not even notice if you're if uh, if one of your uh, Internet of Things, if one of your you know, if your digital video recorder is uh, is attacking. Except maybe your internet slows down a little bit. Um, but the uh, the people that get that attack sure as heck noticed because it they, they the people who used all of these compromised devices uh, got to knock some pretty very well protected large sites offline and uh, and just. You know, at a, it was it was at a whim. It was uh, this was you know this is a whole, getting things knocked offline is a uh, it's a mm-hmm. it's a business and there are people in it. No, absolutely, so. and uh, you know at least that guy got arrested is kind of a you know an interesting prosecutorial backstory for for another day. But it was an Israeli-born British citizen in Germany who is responsible for those big big attacks uh, called uh, the, from the Mirai botnet that among other things knocked down Twitter. So. Um, but that's one of the rare cases we actually get an arrest, as, as I'm sure you know. That, that you know, that's more my business. Where maybe if I get enough people together, dozens, maybe over a hundred, and spend a couple years, you know, of intense work, then maybe we can actually get somebody arrested. 
Uh, oh, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, when, when it doesn't involve that many, uh, when it when it doesn't involve the right countries, it becomes much, much harder. Sometimes your attack is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sometimes what you've got are potentially, you know, Russians hacking, uh, Russians hacking uh, Chinese uh, uh, grade school, you know, grade school computers uh, and uh, using those to attack uh, U.S. sites or European sites or what have you. And mm-hmm. Gosh, just navigating. I have to imagine just navigating the language barriers, much less the uh, the, dis- the disparate legal systems and extradition treaties. Just finding the right time to have a conference call across those time zones can be difficult. Oh, oh hell yeah! <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, so I mean, if I if I had to think about you know if we had to think about the other risks, so that that botnet was you know that botnet was such an indirect risk, mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. All of these devices that are connected, um, you know, what, it, what, what are the attackers, you know, what can the attackers use them for? And honestly, one of them is just uh, is just starting to, so first, if the attacker compromises my front door locks, I think we already covered that. Now, mm-hmm. now my, uh, now, you know, my thief is walking up to my door. He's, uh, he's already hit a button on his phone or what have you, and uh, the door's already unlocked, so he just walks right in. And uh, hopefully whatever he's used to, hopefully for him, whatever he's used to compromise my door lock also means that he's erased the logs of him ever walking through. I mean, mm-hmm. it, this is, you know, this is even more than no forced entry. This is, uh, you know, kind of no audited. And I know I had my alarm system and my cameras on my house, uh, but those were all Internet connected, too. And uh, and he prepared. And so he also turned those off mm-hmm. and then he removed the logs of turning them off. So I think um uh, you had a really, uh, you had a really good example that you that mm-hmm. you gave the other day about what somebody could do with. I'd never thought of this with a light bulb, with an interconnected mm-hmm. light bulb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I can't take credit. It was actually one of my students' research of uh, uh, of what he did for uh, a semester project. But basically, right, light bulb will change colors. You can make it blink, you know. But there was no real authentication to it. So if you were within radio range, you could control it. Uh, and then make it blink at the right frequency to cause an epileptic seizure, right? At, at which point, right? Now we're not talking about, you know, Twitter's not available or somebody sending spam or Internet annoyances. We're talking about somebody having to go to a hospital because they're having a seizure, right, because of, of smart light bulbs. Um, that, you know, this one was a guy selling it on Amazon, uh, you know, just direct to manufacturer. There's nobody really to report it to. Yeah, absolutely. There's It's... And and when there is, I mean, my concern also is when there is someone reported to, you better hope they don't go out of business um, or that they don't decide that, you know, one of the concerns I when I bought my light bulb was, you know, what if what if the manufacturer of this, you know, discontinues the product um, or they say, you know, or eight years from now, they say that's, you know, that's our old version. We don't, you know, there there have been security problems in it, but we don't release any kind of updates for that anymore. You just got to get the new one. And I'm thinking, but. Maybe eight years is maybe eight years is too long a time window, but let's imagine it's five. And I'm thinking, wait, I replaced all the you know all the light bulbs in my house with these because they were gonna mm-hmm. they were LED bulbs. They're gonna last ten years, or twenty years, or whatever. Uh, kind of coming up to our end of our segment here, we'd like to thank uh, thank you. You've been listening to Jay Beal of InGuardians, InGuardians.com, as a, a penetration testing a red teaming firm, uh, professionally uh, white hat hackers who break into things uh, for a living. So thank you for joining us, Jay. 
Thank you very much, John. It was fun. All right. That brings us to the end of our show today. Hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to connect with us, visit our website, cybersecuritytodayradio.com, at Facebook and Twitter, at CybersecRadio, or my personal Twitter account, at Bambanek, B-A-M-B-E-N-E-K. You can email us, J-O-H-N, B-A-M-B-E-N-E-K, radio at gmail.com, for questions you want to hear us address on the air. Uh, Again, thanks to our digital partner, cyberscoop.com, has great cybersecurity news to keep you informed throughout the week. And to our radio affiliates, AM820 News covering Tampa Bay and the West Coast, as well as AM1060 News covering the Space Coast and Orlando. Uh, If you'd like to connect with us, potentially be a sponsor of the show, uh, drop us an email, connect with us online to get out your cybersecurity or IT service. Thank you for tuning into Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and catch you next week at the same time.